What is up, everybody? Thank you so much for clicking on the show and giving it a chance. Welcome to episode six of the Fantasy Football Advocate podcast. I am your host, Chris, here to provide you common sense fantasy advice to help you navigate the sometimes confusing world of fantasy football. Yeah, I'm working on the tagline. It's a work in progress. I like that one, though. I'm hoping that one sticks. Two things to discuss before we get into the review of week three. The first one is starting now. The FFA podcast will be on Tuesdays before it had been Mondays and Thursdays. I really didn't like how it broke down, having to uh, kind of go over all the games except for one on Monday, kind of giving too much attention to the Monday and Thursday games in the preview of those games and not giving you an overall outline of the whole league. I kind of felt it was a little bit too focused on certain games. And if those weren't games that had a big fantasy impact, I was kind of putting my attention in the wrong spot. So I figured if we do the show on Tuesday, I can review the entire week. I can preview the entire week coming up. And if you have any questions, you can always feel free to ask me. You can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore pod. That's a show account or my personal account at FFA underscore Chris. Either one is fine. Of course, there is the show email address, which is theffadvocate at gmail.com. There will be more in the future, but right now, those are the ways you can get in touch with me. Uh, It will be Tuesdays only for now. Uh, I think I would much rather have one show a week and be able to focus on really good content than just flood everybody with more just noise to listen to. We all have enough of that. I'd rather make sure when you click on this show... You're going to be entertained. You're going to find useful information as opposed to fluff and filler. As the show goes on, though, I can always make adjustments. That's a good part about it being my show is if you guys want more content and there's more content to discuss, I'd be more than happy to do that. I really do love doing this, and hopefully you guys get some enjoyment or entertainment out of it. That's the first thing to discuss. Uh, The second thing, once the website is up and running, which will hopefully be very, very shortly, I am working on that myself. In between doing this podcast and another podcast I'm co-host of, uh, Ben and Chris Talk Sports. Give that a try if you haven't yet. I'm going to have an area where you can subscribe to a newsletter, which I'm hoping to release on Fridays, which will give an update on uh, just important things for the upcoming games, injuries, things to look out for. That way, in case you don't have time to actually go on to your fantasy site on a Friday night, Saturday morning, you know, sometime before a Sunday, and just dig through all the information... You can look at the newsletter and say, oh, wow, okay, I got to look at this, 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 and this, and just get right to the point, and hopefully that'll be something you guys will find useful. Uh, Yeah, so look forward to that. The the next one, not necessarily uh, show information, it's more of a teaching moment, and I said from the start of this podcast that while all fans are welcome here, without a doubt, I'm going to try to focus as much as possible on, on keeping it simple. So if you're into all the really deep technical stuff, This podcast may not be for you. Hopefully you still enjoy it, but it might be for somebody who just wants a simpler approach. That's what I'm aiming for here. Uh, And again, simple doesn't mean stupid. Simple just means that when you're doing something you enjoy in your spare time for a hobby, you don't want something overly complicated. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Now, using common sense over complicated stats doesn't necessarily mean I'll never say anything that does not confuse you, you don't understand. If that happens and you're confused and you're going, oh man, I tuned into the show because I thought I'd be able to understand the content. Don't worry. 
feel free to contact me. I'll be more than happy to answer any questions. Honestly, I'm not just saying that. I mean that. Having said that, I ran into a situation this weekend with one of my teams that was extremely frustrating. I'm in uh, three different leagues. I run an 18 league with family and friends. And then I'm part of two other 12-team leagues. Uh, one of those is actually with family and friends. The other one is online. I uh, didn't have a great week. Went one and two. Uh, two of my teams are one and two. One of them is two and one. I, I am very hopeful though. I have a lot of injuries on those teams. I am very hopeful that when everybody's healthy again, I made the right picks, put together a strong team, and I'll still be able to compete. But in one of those leagues, I played somebody and I lost. Which happens. I, I, I want. I, I always want to win. I'm not somebody who just takes losing lightly and no big deal, whatever. I'm a good sport, but I do want to win. The thing that was frustrating wasn't necessarily the loss. It was the person I was facing was the highest scoring team in the league for the week. I was the second highest scoring team in the league that week, which means had I played anybody else, anybody else, any of the other 10 teams, I would have won. So... You look at that and you're like, oh, man, that really sucks. Had I not played that one person this week, had it been any other week, I would have won. And it's understandable to get frustrated with that and get down a little bit. But you have to put a positive spin on it. Because despite losing, the realization is that my team put up enough points to beat almost everyone. Which means I drafted a good enough team to compete with anyone week in and week out. So despite the loss... My team is very much all right and should be more than capable of being competitive the rest of the way, which is very encouraging. It's fine to be disappointed and feel your team let you down a little bit, but don't forget to find the upside. A lot of teams are dealing with injuries right now also. A lot of you are. I am. A lot of those players will be back within a few weeks, and it will be a big help to your team. Players like Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey, among others. So don't make irrational decisions or trades or player releases based on those injuries or your team struggling for a few weeks. Remember, the main goal is to get into the playoffs. If your team is in the playoffs, anything can happen. I have seen the lowest scoring team in the league win the championship. A team that barely squeaked into the playoffs has won it all because they had a few weeks where their team was hot and they rode that hot streak to a championship. You never know. You make good decisions, you get your team to the playoffs, anything can happen. Okay, now, on to this week's Get Up, Let Down. And I want, I want to make it clear, the reason I go over these isn't to just remind you of stats. It's so I can give you insight as to why the success of certain players is the norm, and why some are very situational and can't be counted on week in and week out. Some players, the majority of the time, are going to put up huge numbers. Others are going to be a little more spotty here and there. Others are going to come out of the blue and have a great week, such as someone we'll discuss. Uh, but that that's the point of it. It's not just to go, oh, look what I, I read. I read these stat lines somewhere. Here you go. Just to give you my opinion, my viewpoint, to help you navigate this crazy game we call fantasy football. So now, get up. Players that got up for their team, got up for your team, did exactly what you drafted them to do. Number one, I have to say I was wrong about this guy this week. Even yours truly gets one wrong. Nobody's perfect. Patrick Mahomes. I said the Chiefs are going through a Super Bowl hangover. They were going to get hit in the mouth by the uh, Ravens. They were going to struggle. That is the exact opposite of what happened. 
Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs went into Baltimore and just went up and down the field on the Ravens, made it look easy, made it look like they were far and away the better team, and they were last night. Ravens are still a good team. If you're a Ravens fan, I know it's a fantasy show, not a, you know, not a real late football show, I guess, but if you're a Ravens fan, I wouldn't worry too much. Your team is still really good, but they just, you know, it's a lot like when the Patriots and Colts used to play. And for a long time, the Patriots had the Colts number, despite Peyton Manning and the Colts being a great team. It was just the Patriots just had their number for some reason. So Mahomes, 385, four touchdowns, ran for another touchdown. I mean, the guy is as valuable to his team as anybody in the league. Should be, if you have him, you're starting him every week. Without question, I don't care what his matchup is. He can overcome it. And if you lose starting Patrick Mahomes, then you lost putting one of your best players out there, and that happens. So nothing to feel bad about. The next guy is got to be at least one of the first, the top two or three front runners for MVP. Russell Wilson, five touchdown passes. There's Josh Allen of the Bills, four touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown, over 300 yards again. Bills had a huge lead. They blew it. They were playing the Rams. The Rams came back, took the lead from them. Josh Allen marched his team right back downfield, scored again. This guy is legit. He is coming around. Everything he needed to do to be a front-line quarterback, I'm not saying he's on the level of a Mahomes yet or a Russell Wilson, but, man, this kid looks like he's really special. So he's he's another one. Unless you have somebody like a Mahomes or Wilson in front of him and you have them both, you're going to start him. Dak Prescott. He's going to be useful all year because that Cowboys defense does not look good at all. Almost 500 passing yards, three touchdowns. Uh, The Cowboys, which I'll get to in a few segments, have appeared to forget they have a top running back, and Dak is just throwing the ball an insane amount of times. It doesn't matter if the Cowboys are a good team overall. You don't need the team to win to have a player be valuable in fantasy. So... As long as that Cowboys defense is so pitiful, Dak Prescott is going to be beyond useful in fantasy. You're going to start him every week. Jared Goff could be a little bit more situational. Great week. Over 300 yards passing, two touchdowns. Rush for a touchdown. Almost led his team to a comeback win against Josh Allen's Bills. Wasn't quite in the cards, but, you know, he's he's a good quarterback. Uh, he can be a little inconsistent. I think he averaged, uh, or not averaged, I think he had like 10 or 11 points in fantasy the first week, which is not great for your starting quarterback. Um, it, the team did wins. I mean, that's the important part in real life. But fantasy-wise, fantasy-wise, he's going to be matchup dependent. I wouldn't just run him out there every week unless he's your only and best option. But for this week, he was very good. Running backs, Alvin Kamara only rushed for 58 yards. However, he had... 13 receptions for 139 yards and two receiving touchdowns. I think it's pretty clear now at this point that as long as Michael Thomas is out, Alvin Kamara could very easily be the leading receiver for the Saints. Not a guarantee, but he is going to be heavily involved in that passing game. If you have him, obviously you're starting him every week. James Robinson, the rookie undrafted running back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, didn't have a lot of rushing yards. 
46, but he ran for two touchdowns, hauled in six passes for 83 receiving yards. I'd say this kid's a safe bet to run out there every week. Honestly, I know it's only been three games. I know the Jaguars are not great on offense, but that's the exact reason a dual threat running back is absolutely useful on a team like that. You saw Gardner Minshew, who I I misfired on this weekend as well. I thought he'd be a lot better Thursday than he was. But you saw him. He seems to always want to go deep. He either throws, he either checks down to the running back, which was Robinson, or he throws it 20 plus yards downfield. That seems, I mean, it's not every play, but it just seems like it. So if they're behind and they're going to throw the ball a lot, Robinson is still useful. He's going to be useful in any game situation, whether they're trying to run down the clock and he's rushing or they have to throw to him because they're trying to catch up and they, don't, they can't run the ball. They have to you know, pass it. I'd say until he proves otherwise, he can keep running this kid out there. He's very involved in that offense. Rex Burkhead for the Patriots. Great game. As a Patriots fan, I love Rex Burkhead. He's one of those uh, utility guys, role-playing guys who steps up from time to time like this and helps the team win. Uh, he had two rushing touchdowns, 49 rushing yards. He caught another seven passes for 49 yards and a receiving touchdown. As much as I love Burkhead, he, Patriots backfield is always a crapshoot in fantasy. You know, how many people didn't start Sony Michelle this past weekend? And he ended up going off for what, I think like 140 yards or something like that? He had a lot more rushing yards this week than he had or this past week, excuse me, than he'd had in games and games combined, even dating back to past seasons. So, yeah, maybe pick him up if you're really short at running back, throw him in a flex spot, especially while James White is out. But when James White comes back, it gets even murkier. Uh, They have another kid, Harris, who was on IR. He should be coming back soon. So there's legitimately four to five guys in that Patriots backfield. (sighs) Maybe give Rex a shot, but... Don't be surprised if there's some games where he just doesn't even have a stat line because that's just how the Patriots use running backs. Derrick Henry, 119 rushing yards, two touchdowns, a non-factor in the passing game, but had a very nice day on the ground. If you have him, or based on where you drafted him, you're going to run him out no matter what because he's capable of a big game anytime. Dalvin Cook, I was wrong on him too. I'm glad I'm wrong on him because I like Dalvin Cook. He's a tremendous talent. My problem wasn't him. It was Kirk Cousins being so inconsistent, but Dalvin Cook was good enough to get by that. 181 rushing yards and a touchdown. He's talented, but there will be games he struggles. But again, much like Derrick Henry, you're going to run him out here every single week because that's exactly what you draft him to be is your bell cow, your number one running back. And quite frankly, much like Henry, he is so talented, he can overcome, you know, inefficiencies at quarterback more often than not. But there will be some games he lets you down. But, I mean, if I had Dalvin Cook, I'm playing him every week. And I'm taking a chance because you never know. You can't put that kind of talent on the bench. Wide receivers, Tyler Lockett. Very underrated, but nine for 100 yards receiving and three touchdowns. It seemed like every single time Russell Wilson went go to the ball, Tyler Lockett was catching a touchdown. He's one of uh, – he and DK Metcalf are Russell Wilson's top two targets. He throws to both of them a very, very solid amount of the time. Both have no issues getting targets. 
if you have either of those guys, you can run them out there, especially the way Russell Wilson's throwing the ball right now. And given the fact that their top running back, Chris Carson, is going to be out for a few weeks, that's going to make that passing game in Seattle even more important. So Tyler Lockett's good to keep running out there. Justin Jefferson, rookie wide receiver for the Vikings. I mean, seven catches for 175 and a touchdown. This is what they drafted this kid to be. Replaced Stefan Diggs, who they traded to the Bills. He's got all the talent in the world. The only problem you're going to have is he has Adam Thielen across the field from him. Kirk Cousins is not Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson can support having Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and still give them both plenty of opportunities to make plays. Kirk Cousins seems to pick one receiver a game who's the guy to throw to. So I have have a claim in for, for Jefferson in a couple of my leagues. Go for it. Try to get him. Off the waiver wire if he's there. But don't be surprised. Don't be disappointed. Well, you'd be disappointed, but don't be surprised if there are some games where he ends up with like three catches for 19 yards because Adam Thielen had a big game or Kirk Cousins just couldn't get it done. It's going to happen, but talented player, really good week. Now, I mentioned earlier in the start of the show that there are some guys who would always go out there and get your numbers. Others were hit and miss. Others would come out of nowhere and have a huge week. And maybe they continue that. Maybe they don't. Who knows? Cedric Wilson for the Cowboys. Wide receiver. Got five catches for 107 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, people are going to run out and pick this guy up. I wouldn't. Not trying to be mean. Not trying to disrespect the guy. That is a team that has Joey Gallup. They drafted C.D. Lamb in the first round. They have Amari Cooper. They like using their tight ends. He did catch five passes for 107 yards and two touchdowns. But with all the other receiving talent in Dallas, he's not going to be the guy. This was an outlier. This was an oddball game. I don't think he has any value on the field. Obviously not personally. Like I said, I'm not being mean. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes this happens and people jump the gun and they – have like a wait uh, the first overall waiver wire claim and they'll spend it on a guy like this instead of a guy like a, a Justin Jefferson or a James Robinson. Don't do it. Don't do it. I would not be surprised if this guy doesn't, you know, over the next four or five games, doesn't combine for these stats. Keenan Allen, number one receiver for the Chargers, and he showed why this weekend. 13 catches, 132 yards and a touchdown. This guy again underrated. People sleep on him. You're going to run him out there every week. He's a number one, no doubt. Alan Lazard of the Packers uh, seemed to be the primary benefactor of uh, Devontae Adams not playing this weekend with the hamstring injury still. I believe it's hamstring injury. He had six catches for 146 yards and a touchdown. You could take a chance on him if you're really shallow at receiver. It'll be a toss-up every week between he and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, as it will probably be Aaron Rodgers' primary target. Until Devontae Adams comes back, then it will definitely be Devontae Adams. Lazard is very talented, but he's not Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers is going to throw to the guy that is open, that gives his team the best chance to win and score. So, I mean, it's kind of a crapshoot, but, I mean, he's proved to have talent. So you have a, if you have a spot on your bench where you could put him, try to pick him up. No harm there. Other receivers had a really good week. Uh, Michael Gallup. 
again, he's super talented, but there's a lot of talent in that Dallas uh, receiving core. I'd be more more apt to pick him up, much more apt to pick him up than I would be a Cedric Wilson. I'd even say he's probably the number two behind Amari Cooper right now in front of rookie C.D. Lamb. I like Gallup a lot. Super talented receiver, but you're going to have inconsistencies there. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, both had a really, really nice game for the Rams. Um, When Jared Goff is on, he can use both these guys, and they can both be effective. However, he's a bit inconsistent, too, as I talked about the start of this segment. Both are great talents. If you have either one of them, you're probably going to run them out there because of what they can do. But uh, let's be wary, kind of play the matchup, maybe who's going to be covered by who. Allen Robinson of the Bears. That's an interesting one because I think Allen Robinson is one of the guys who could see the biggest jump from this point forward. The Bears benched Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky is a terribly inconsistent quarterback. I can't even believe he started the first two and a half games. But halfway through game two, uh, three, excuse me, the Bears made a decision to put Nick Foles in, who they traded for in the offseason. Nick Foles is a much more consistent passer. I think Allen Robinson and the rest of that Bears offense will benefit from that a great deal. A great deal. If you have him, you you felt good about it before. Because Allen Robinson, in spite of Mitchell Trubisky, was still a tremendous talent. Still had great numbers. You're going to see him improve even more, I believe. Tyler Boyd seems to have really good chemistry. Really good chemistry with rookie Joe Burrow. I really, really think Tyler Boyd might be the number one in Cincinnati right now. As far as receivers go, it may not be A.J. Green anymore. I mean, in terms of talent and name recognition, you could say Green's still the guy. But, man, Boyd has looked really good this year, and and Burrow seems very comfortable with him. So I I have him in a few of my teams, and I'm going to run him out there because he has potential to put up big numbers. Okay, so those are the guys that got up. These are the guys that let you down. I don't like to dwell on the negative, so this isn't going to be as thorough of a segment as the get-up segment. But I do kind of, some of these guys I'd be worried about, some I wouldn't be worried about. Just going to run through them, let you know, and move on. Quarterbacks, Daniel Jones. That Giants offense does not look good right now. Losing Saquon Barkley. Sterling Shepard being injured for this game. Jones only had 179 passing yards. He threw an interception. He has a fumble. He did rush for 49 yards, and and I believe that led the team, which is decent for your fantasy value, but not for the Giants as an organization if Daniel Jones is leading your team rushing. So I'd be wary of starting him. He's very, very much matchup dependent if he's facing a team that is not good on defense. You could have a nice game, but until that Giants offense gets more consistent, I wouldn't start him. Matt Ryan. Oh man. If you're a Falcons fan. Oof. It's been a rough few weeks for you. That team cannot hold the lead to save their life. Ryan didn't have a great game to begin with. Uh, this was a letdown game against the bears. I did get this one, right? Got off to a hot start. A lot of players probably picked him up to start him. Because, well, he's been on fire the first two weeks. I have their quarterback struggling. I'm going to pick up Matt Ryan and put him in. Get you 238 yards and a touchdown. 
through a pick also. Definitely not what you were hoping for from Matt Ryan, the way he's been playing. I think he'll be okay going forward, though. That Falcons team isn't very good, but he's going to be okay. He's going to get you some numbers. Cam Newton for the Patriots. Cam Newton for the Patriots. 162 passing yards and a touchdown. He did throw a pick. Didn't rush too much, not compared to his first two games, but the rest of the team did. I wouldn't worry too much about Cam Newton. Cam Newton's going to be heavily involved on an offense. I mean, obviously he's a quarterback, but I mean, he's going to run. He's going to pass. He'll be okay. It just happened to be a game where, you know, they were running the ball left and right without any kind of trouble. So chances are you drafted Cam Newton in the later rounds. Chances are a lot of people drafted him as their backup, hoping that he would be, you know, better and to get some value for him. And I think that's the case. You can definitely use him, but if you have another quarterback you drafted in front of him, maybe kind of just play the matchups instead of just automatically putting one or the other in. I think that will benefit your team a lot more. Ryan Tannehill did throw for 321 yards, threw just fine, uh, just didn't throw for any touchdowns. Uh, it, it's pretty clear that on top of Derrick Henry running, they're they're trying to get Tannehill to throw more as well. So Tannehill seems to be much more of a a, a threat to pass the ball this season so far than you know later last year where he just handed out to Derrick Henry you know thirty five times a game and, and threw ten or twelve times. I wouldn't feel good running Tannehill out there only because you always run the risk of Derrick Henry taking over the game, and then you're not going to get much from Tannehill. But if he's your best option, throw him out there in the right matchup and try to find someone else on the waiver wire. Lamar Jackson. I don't think you're going to see Lamar Jackson in the letdown column very often, but uh, this he wasn't great last night. He was not great in Monday Night Football. 97 passing yards, a touchdown. He fumbled. He ran for 83 yards. Most of that on two very nice runs. I mean, Lamar has not looked great passing the ball this year, which is a problem because if teams don't really have to worry about him throwing, you kind of get what you got last night, which is just they're able to get to him. They're able to sack him because they can just bring more guys up to the line. And, I mean, the Ravens are smart enough to fix these problems. They know what they're doing. Lamar is talented enough to adjust also. I would not worry about this long term. If you have Lamar Jackson, you're starting him. But he may struggle for a week or two. It it did look yesterday like he might be getting into his own head a little bit. I'm not doubting the kid. Tremendous talent, but... For the sake of your fantasy team, you may want to see how he performs in the next few weeks. Running backs, what to worry about? Miles Sanders. This one is con- – I'm so confused by this one. He's clearly the best offensive weapon the Eagles have, and they just cannot get him involved the way they want to get him involved. I, I-, I don't understand that the Eagles seem to have no offensive flow at all. And despite that, Sanders still ran for 95 yards. He had four catches as well. Should have more, especially with that the Eagles have seemingly nobody else to catch the ball. This guy should be putting up mega points, much like a James Robinson, 
down in Jacksonville because he's really one of the only offensive threats the team has. I do believe they will eventually get him more involved in the offense. I think his early struggles could be more of a result of him not playing much in training camp. They're not being a preseason because he had that hamstring injury. So I think he'll be all right in the long run, but you're going to have to be kind of weary on him. And he did let some teams down this week. Jonathan Taylor of the Colts. They can't, I don't know what the deal is. Like the defense looks stellar in Indianapolis. The offense looks sluggish at best, despite some very good talent on there. Uh, 59 rushing yards and a touchdown. Should have had way more against a bad team. Should have been far more involved in a passing game. I think he will be in the future, but for this game, he let you down. Ezekiel Elliott, 34 rushing yards and a touchdown. Did add on six catches for 24 yards. He needs to be better. If this Cowboys team is going to be better and be competitive in that division, he has to be better. They have to stop making Dak throw 50 times a game. It's got to be the Zeke and Dak show. If all they're going to do is throw 50 times a game, the Cowboys are going to have a long, long season. Wide receivers who let you down. And there wasn't anything really egregious as far as, you know, like really noticeable, like, wow, man, how did that happen? But, I mean, you guys like A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton, Odell Beckham Jr., these guys may just not be number ones anymore. I mean, we may need to come to the realization that if you drafted these guys high, you may just not have gotten a lot of value for them. T.Y. Hilton talked a lot in the preseason or before the season started about how he was finally healthy and he was going to tear it up with Philip Rivers, a pocket passer. He just has not shown it. A.J. Green has been fine, but he does not seem to have that breakaway step, that move that he used to have that made him an elite receiver, not consistently at least. Odell Beckham Jr., I mean, I think it's more Baker Mayfield's inconsistency than Odell, but still, he's on that team, and that's his situation, so it's not good. Uh, and again, as I mentioned earlier when I mentioned Alan Lazar and Marquez Valdez-Scantling for the Packers, people thought he'd be more involved. It was, he was kind of a letdown this week. However... From week to week, based on matchups, he could be good. He could be non-existent. That's going to be a crapshoot. That's going to be more a matter of picking the right one as opposed to, are they both talented? Because they are, but there's only so many passes to go around, especially when Aaron Jones is playing the way he is for the Packers. Key injuries. Chris Carson of the Seahawks sprained his knee. Should miss two or three weeks. Uh, Tariq Cohen. Running back for the Bears, a shame. Unfortunately, he just signed an extension, contract extension. He tore his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. Deshaun Jackson, the often injured receiver for the Eagles. Hamstring injury. That's, you know, day-to-day, week-to-week, who knows. Russell Gage, the talented young receiver for the Falcons. Uh, Left with a head injury. I'd I'd have to assume concussion because they took his helmet and everything, but keep an eye on that. Deontay Johnson of the Steelers, also evaluated for a concussion. So, I mean, he could pass protocol and be back next week. Who knows? You have to keep an eye on that. They have to pass a certain certain number of tests before they'll be allowed to play again. John Brown of the Bills has a calf injury. Chris Godwin, his first game of the season, first game back, had a hamstring injury, had to leave the game. Have to keep an eye on that, unfortunately. He's super talented, but, man, he can't seem to stay healthy this year. 
and Mike Williams of the Chargers has a hamstring injury. So that is our review of week three. We're now going to look ahead to our players for week four to worry and to not worry about. So, players not to worry about at quarterback. And for those of you who haven't listened before, I, I'll, I choose two people at each position who don't worry about them. And then two for each position to worry about for this week. It's generally not overall in the season. It's just for this week. And I try to, at least in the don't worry section, I try to leave huge stars out of it because, I mean, you're going to start those guys no matter what. So some of those stars are going to be in the worry section because I'm trying to warn you of a situation where they may not play great. But moving on, players do not worry about in week four. Nick Foles against the Colts. I know the Colts are the number one rated defense right now. That seems really weird to say. But Nick Foles is a, has a much better head on his shoulders than Mitchell Trubisky. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes. But the receivers and running backs on the Bears are going to have a much better opportunity to have a good fantasy game with Nick Foles under center. So I think he can do some good things for that Bears offense, which already has a really good defense. And I think even though he's facing the Colts, they can still find some fantasy value in that game. Joe Burrow, number one overall pick, rookie quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. I would not worry about this guy at all. First of all, he's facing a very, very porous Jaguars defense. Secondly, though, two weeks in a row, he's put up really good numbers. He didn't put up good numbers in week one. That was against the Chargers defense, who also gave Patrick Mahomes fits for a good portion of the game. So I wouldn't worry too much about Joe Burrow. And he hasn't done anything spectacular. And when I say that, it's not a knock. What I mean is he hasn't gotten most of his uh, points off a couple of plays. It hasn't been like he threw a few 50-yard bombs and then struggled the rest of the game and got lucky. He's just accumulating stats throughout the course of the game consistently. And next thing you know, he's over 300 yards passing. He has two touchdowns. And that is a really solid fantasy game. I have a league I'm in. I'm starting Joe Burrow. And I've been starting Joe Burrow, and I probably will for the foreseeable future. He's playing well. This kid looks like the real deal. I would not worry about him. Running back. I don't like to normally take two people from the same team for the same, for either not to worry about or worry about, but I'm going to do it this time. David Montgomery did not have a great game last game. I grant you that. However, he's super talented. He should be the focal point of that running game. He absolutely is now with the unfortunate injury to Tariq Cohen. He's going to see more receptions out of the backfield because Cohen was the primary receiving target from the backfield. He's going to run the ball. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to have Nick Foles who can get him the ball. Everything's looking up for David Montgomery. And honestly, at this point, if David Montgomery just is not able to be utilized enough to be valuable in fantasy – it's a, it's a game plan issue. It's a team issue, a coaching issue, because he has the talent, and now he has the pieces around him. It's a perfect situation for him to succeed. The aforementioned James Robinson of the Jaguars going against the Bengals. Bengals defense hasn't played great. Even if it does, Robinson's involved in the running game. Robinson's involved in the passing game. He's clearly the number one running back in Jacksonville. Yeah, the team is not good. They don't have to be. Robinson is going to get a ton of opportunities, and he has taken advantage of that so far. 
you have to when you find a hot hand, you have to play the hot hand. And James Robinson is a hot hand right now. You got to put him in and see what he can do for you. And you didn't draft him to be your number one. He's the kind of guy who's going to win people leagues because he, you're going to see, you know, people who drafted a Christian McCaffrey, drafted a Zeke Elliott, drafted a Dalvin Cook, either picked James Robinson up off the waiver wire or drafted him really, really late in the draft. So, I mean, <laughs> this it's nothing but a win if he does anything for you. Don't worry about Stefan Diggs. I know I said last week you might want to worry about him because he has a chance to disappear after a few big games. Didn't have quite the level of game in week three he had in week one and two, but he was still very productive. That proves to me Josh Allen and that Bills offense know how to use him. They're going to make sure Stefan Diggs does not disappear, and he is incredibly talented. So I think you got to run him out there until he proves otherwise. Maybe a change of scenery is all he needed, and it's working for him. Julian Edelman of the Patriots uh, went from having 179 receiving yards to much, much less than that in Week 3. Again, much like Cam not getting big yardage. That's a game plan thing. They were running the ball. They're not going to run the ball like that against every team every week. There's going to be plenty of times when even when they're running the ball, Edelman is utilized a lot. I think that's going to be the case going forward. It's probably nice for him to have a game too, where he wasn't getting punished with these hits left and right. That should help him heal up some of those lingering injuries and, and things that are hurting him. So I'd feel good about Julian Edelman going forward. Uh, he and Cam Newton have seemed to have a really, really good rapport also. So I, I wouldn't feel nervous about him at all. Worry about players to worry about Philip Rivers. I've never really been a fan of Rivers as like an elite level quarterback. I know he has a ton of stats and he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer based on the numbers alone. I just never really seen him show up in a big game. That that's just what I've observed. I've watched this guy his whole career. He there's no flow in that Colts offense right now. They have talented receivers, they have talented tight ends, they have a talented running back. And they just can't seem to get any kind of consistency on offense. I don't think it's going to be easy for him to do that against the Chicago Bears of all teams, the team that tripped up Matt Ryan this past week. So look for him to struggle. Lamar Jackson going against the Washington football team. I love Lamar. Awesome player, awesome talent. Seems like a super nice kid. He'll be fine in the long run. I think he's going to struggle this game. If he doesn't, it'll be because of running. He's having a lot of issues passing the ball right now. And his receivers are not helping him. There were a lot of drops or misrun routes last night. There's not a lot of confidence going on at all in that Baltimore passing game. They need to break out of that. I don't know if the you know I don't know if six days after getting pounded by the Chiefs that's going to happen, but we'll see. I don't think it will this week. I'd be cautious. Although obviously, if you have Lamar Jackson, you're still starting him. Just be prepared. Miles Sanders, I know I had him in a segment above where I said, uh, you know, get let down. Until that Eagles offense can prove they can be consistent, he's not going to be the player he can be. Miles Sanders is an elite-level talent. And I know that sounds crazy to say without ever really seeing it on the field. He is that good. Carson Wentz is not good right now. And, and despite there being nobody else, to get the ball to and move it downfield. They seem reluctant to involve Sanders more, despite the fact he's healthy. 
So I would worry about them this week against the 49ers. I know they lost some guys on defense, but they're still very talented defensively. I don't know if this is the week Sanders breaks out. Derrick Henry against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, He's run the ball just fine this year, but he's really been non-existent in the passing game. And I don't think he's going to have a great rushing game against the Steelers. They have a good secondary. They have a good defense. They're not going to be scared of Ryan Tannehill in the passing game. Not saying the Titans are going to lose. Not saying the Titans are going to have an awful game. Just saying I'd be worried about Derrick Henry. He seems to only be a rushing threat. And against that Steelers front, that's not going to be easy. I don't think you're going to get – I mean, it won't be pitiful, but you're not going to get a breakout week-winning performance from him. Receivers, Adam Thielen against the Texans. As I've said before, Kirk Cousins having a good game is the equivalent of the blind squirrel finding a nut. I don't have any faith in Kirk Cousins. Thielen will struggle because of Cousins, and I think Cousins is going to want to continue to throw the ball to Justin Jefferson until teams pick up on that, and then he'll switch back to Thielen. Add to that, the Texans might be adding a safety in Earl Thomas. That was rumored he was visiting Houston to to potentially join the team. If he plays this week, that's going to make that secondary even more dangerous. Not that the Texans have a great secondary, but when Kirk Cousins is throwing against a secondary, they become a lot better because Kirk Cousins is not that consistent. So I'd worry about him a bit, as well as Mike Evans against the Chargers. The Chargers have a really, really good secondary. They did just lose. uh, I cannot remember the guy's name. They lost one of their uh, top corners this past week. Yeah, Evans got two touchdown passes, but he got two touchdown passes on two receptions for two yards. So we had two touchdown catches from the one-yard line. That's not something you're going to maintain every week. Chris Godwin is more than likely going to miss some time again. Teams can not focus on him now, focus more on Mike Evans. Evans is the kind of talent you have him. You're going to start him. That is going to do it for this episode of the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast. If you made it this far, hopefully you'll consider subscribing to the show. If you do enjoy it, Hopefully, you'll also consider leaving a rating and a review, and maybe sharing the podcast with a friend. I'd certainly appreciate that. It would help a lot. Don't forget, I can be reached on Twitter at FFA underscore pod or FFA underscore Chris. One is the show account. The other is my personal account. Or if you don't want to do that, you can always email the show directly at the Advocate at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. Good luck in week four. Please play smart, have fun, and I will see you back here next Tuesday.